Hi guys, welcome back to the Mastery Minds podcast. Today I have a special guest on, Nafiz Alam, a social work professor. Oh my god, professor. I can't even talk. Oh my god, embarrassing. Um, in addition to teaching, he's also a fitness model and an actor and also has a podcast called Empowering the Opposition, which focus, focuses on like intellectual growth and topics such as those. Um, do you have anything else to add? A uh, YouTube channel that gets about two views a year. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> hey, it's better than nothing. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And a, and a little bit of an athletic history as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So the first question I want to ask is how did you get started in a lot of the entertainment forums and, you know, just kind of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I, when I moved to Boise, um, actually, before I moved to Boise. Uh, yeah, go into the backstory. Go, yeah. go for it. In in sports, we had a lot of the guys that I played with go into modeling and acting and stuff like that. But like sort of behind the scenes, football players tend to be larger and sort of intimidating figures. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess sometimes they're they're a little bit harder to find. So they'll get cast in random extra roles and stuff like that. So it was always in the back of my mind. Um, of course, like my mom's my biggest fan. So she's like, you're uh, so We gorgeous. love moms. Yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't believe her much at first when she told me, how, like, you know, that, I, that I'm somewhat attractive. But when other people started telling me, I was like, oh, okay, so maybe mom was sort of a little bit right. She's um, not just hyping up her kid. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought she was doing. Um, but, uh, but it really didn't cross my mind to get into it like this until I moved to Boise. Because, I, you know, we'll talk about this later today. Is just, like, I like taking a real seg- segmented approach like I, I compartmentalize to a fault and mm-hmm. you can actually turn that into a good way to be successful too. So I knew that I wasn't going to do this while I'm still pursuing something in athletics, mm-hmm. while I'm still working on my doctorate degree, let's say, while I'm still working in hospital management, working on Wall Street, all the things that I've done. I knew that this was something that I might do later on in life. Just so happens later on in life turned into moving to Boise. And when I moved here, um, the opportunities, I didn't realize there were this many opportunities. In a small, Um, small town or not small town, but like a state that's not like highly populated and like really into a lot of the bigger things. Like, for example, like California, you know how they're huge into they don't, Boise's getting more opportunities and you yeah. wouldn't realize that, that Boise would have a lot, you know? Yeah, I, I'm really surprised. So, um, like New York City is where I come from and there were a lot of opportunities there that I just didn't even explore. And with Boise, I walk into a modeling uh, studio and right away they're like, wow, you look really different. Different, yeah. Yeah, and of course, you know, I'm like, uh, different how? Like, cause, like you good know, or yeah, bad? exactly. Like, it's like, no, like you, uh, actually the first modeling agency, I'm intentionally not going to use names, but the first, uh, modeling agency that I walked into, was like, Oh, we might want you to shave your beard and cut your hair. Ooh. I'm like, no, that's kind of, mm, you're like, mm, yeah. Deal so, breaker. Yeah. And then the next one was like, we want you to keep growing it out. Like, and oh. so I was like, okay, so that makes a lot more sense. Um, and then like I did one or two shoots and then I got linked up with uh, a few people in like the film industry. And as soon as they saw me, they were like, yeah, let's let's put you on because you're tall, you, you the hair and the beard um, and like just like the intimidating look, which I, I was telling Sophia earlier that my nightlight has a nightlight. So I'm glad <laughs> I look tough and, yeah. and I'm actually not. 
But um, but yeah, like I think I think it just has a lot to do with just knowing what you look like, what you bring to the table, and um, trying to monetize it. Mm-hmm. And how like how has that been going? Like monetizing and just like really testing out the waters, especially it, in Boise. Yeah, it's been going okay. But uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that this was like my main focus and they know mm-hmm. this too like yeah. in this when this podcast ca- podcast comes out it's not going to be a secret so my main gig is like being a professor mm-hmm. being an intellectual uh presenting across the country so i suppose if i tried hard i'll give you an example actually a concrete example instead of just being abstract i've been told by my agent uh that if i was more willing to travel to utah to montana and to hollywood i would have a whole lot more opportunities yeah. um and maybe I'm holding myself back in some ways because I've never done this before. But New I never, territory. Yeah. I know I'm a good professor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'm a good entertainer yet. There you go. That that completely makes sense. And especially if you're like really good in one area, you want to probably stay focused on that. And especially if you enjoy it and you're making money off of it, of course. So next question, what is one piece of, of advice that you'd give to anybody looking to get into the creative and entertainment industry? I know you have like a different kind of background. So your pathway was a little bit different than someone who's solely focused on getting in. Yeah, if if their sole focus is getting in, I would say commit fully. I mean, there's even though I'm just getting started in entertainment, I found success in other areas. And this is what I really wanted to speak about is that, you know, trying to hit that kind of success that you want to hit, you got to commit fully. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone likes making a list of things that they want to be successful in, but they never make that second list of what they're willing to sacrifice. Yep. And there's no such thing as success without sacrifice. Risk and reward. Yeah, That's exactly. With anything, if you want to be successful, I yeah. totally could get that. So so my dad would do an exercise with me because when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be a football player. I'm also going to be an astronaut. I'm going to get my doctor to get like everything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, OK, like, first of all, no, none of most of that is not going to happen. Uh, although he didn't know that m- many, m- many of those things actually would. <laughs> um, so an exercise that he did with me and now I do this with my students and, you know, you could do this with anyone that you'd like as well, is that tell me where you want to be personally and professionally when you're 60 years old don't start with tomorrow start with the end of your career where do you want to be at that point and he was driving home the idea that uh all too many people think of okay so if i do the right thing today do the right thing tomorrow do the right thing the next day i'll end up where i want to be he had a completely different idea as to how to get to where you want to be is start with where you want to end up at the age of 60. So we would talk about what I wanted to do personally and professionally where I wanted to be at that age. Then he would ask me, what would you want to do? What would you have to do by the age of 40 personally and professionally to reach that 60 goal? Okay. And now what do you have to do by the age of 25 and 15? So then this is the idea that I've, I've talked about uh, quite a lot, actually, in a lot of different academic circles, is um, like a systematic approach to reverse engineering success instead of forward engineering success and just hoping for the best because you just played the game the right way, figure out what you want the score to be at the end and figure out what you need the score to be in the third quarter, in the second quarter, in the first quarter, and now. I love that way of thinking. I never thought of it that way. At all. Like, yeah. usually it's, like, I feel like a lot of the culture right now for hustling, it's, like, you got to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and, like, just head forward, like, bull, bull run it. Yeah. And um, 
I think it's good to look at the long term girl like growth and goal. Uh, yeah, I think I think um, you know that exercise I've been doing with a lot of my freshman and sophomore uh, Boise State students as well, because they're coming in with a lot of like you know I want to do this, I want to do that. Um, and I think it's been fairly, uh, effective, um, although we won't know until they're much older. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also talk with them about the element of success, which I also wanted to touch on today. Um, as you can tell, I'm all yes. about preparation. Oh, so I, sure. I've been really looking forward to this and I really thank you for having yeah, me on. Yeah, of course. I love having you on. <laughs> and, um, and just the idea of sacrifice, like you need to understand and acknowledge what you're willing to sacrifice. Like it's not so much what you want. I, I genuinely believe that everyone can be successful. And I actually think most people can be successful in whatever they want to do. We have a five foot eight basketball player who's been a five foot three basketball player who's been successful, Muggsy Bogues. There you go. So, you know, anyone can do anything. The question is, what are they willing to sacrifice? To get there. Um, yeah, to get there. Um, from a fitness standpoint, um, I can't tell you the last meal that I ate that I ate for the sake of taste. Now that sounds depressing, mm-hmm. but what is it that I'm, what, what kind of success am I trying to reach with a certain body fat percentage, with a certain weight, let's say, that, you know, that is going to get me more jobs in entertainment? That's the success. And the sacrifice is that I just don't eat much that tastes good. Now, I don't eat stuff that tastes bad either. It's just not really a thrilling experience for me to it's eat a particular It's probably just like, meal. you know, filling up the calories, protein intake, all that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Protein, low carbs and stuff like that. And at my age, which you're about 20 years away from, so you got a lot of time, <laughs> uh, it, it just it just starts getting different. Same thing with academia, like getting the doctorate degree, working on Wall Street, running the hospital. Um, it was always, rather, it wasn't just about the success. It's about what are the sacrifices you're going to be making. And personally, like, you know, not having as many friends, intentionally not having as many friends, which I'm not encouraging your listeners not to have friends. It's good to have friends. Yeah, but it is. I feel like the amount that you have isn't, a lot of people are like, oh, I need a lot of friends. I need, a, it's more focusing on quality instead of quantity. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, qu- a huge part. Quality is a huge part of it. And like n- not going out, I still to this day don't don't drink alcohol. Um, I do party, but like, you know, like I also don't need alcohol to act stupid. I'm just naturally <laughs> stupid. Uh, so it's certainly nice that, that that's the case. But yeah, there, there's a lot of sacrifices that you do need to make. And if you feel, I want your listeners to understand that it should be okay to say this is not a sacrifice I'm willing to make. It should also be okay to say, okay, this is, a, this is a sacrifice that if Nafis wants to make, that's perfectly fine. I don't think people should, like, for example, not be eating food that tastes good, right? If right. they don't want to. But if I want to, I should have the ability to. Mm-hmm. So whatever you put in, you're going to get back. So um, from a sacrifice standpoint, if you don't want to make the sacrifice, don't complain about not getting the success. Right. Because if you do make the sacrifice, you will get the success. Mm-hmm. I feel like with a lot of modeling, especially like a few years back, it was a lot of focus on the girls not eating and that causing like eating disorders. And But when they did that, they did get an amount of success because that's what the people were telling them to do. Nowadays, it's a lot more healthier. I mean, I'm sure there's probably still situations like that, which is unfortunate. But I mean, the girls do it to get that level of, of success. But if you're willing willing to risk your health, I don't think that's something that 
should be risked for success. You know. Uh I don't know. I, I don't know how real you want to get here. Uh, with go, this, you can go. But yeah. So uh, I can't speak to girls, obviously. Right. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, testosterone, performance-enhancing drugs. I don't take them. Just, again, because right. this isn't... No, just kidding. No, I'm, 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 I take, <laughs> okay. like, a whole ton of creatine, uh, ah, uh, but creatine. Uh, but that that is a legal substance. But I could totally see myself if this was the industry where I made my living. Mm-hmm. And to be perfectly honest with you and candid, I love honesty and brutal honesty. Of course. If I wasn't, you know, being able to pay my bills and, and accrue wealth through being a professor and being an intel- in, in the intellectual field... I would totally entertain the idea of not just being 230 pounds, which I am now, but being 250, 260 pounds and being the rock stuntman or something. Oh, like that, you know that I mean? would be pretty cool. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah, but that would be steroids and that would be cutting my life much shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be very similar to how women were expected to be very light. And men are expected to be very heavy. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so in the entertainment industry, there's always that temptation because you like, and it's also like any, any sort of substance. It's very easy to get if you, mm-hmm. if you know the person who might know the person who knows the person. Right. Um, so, so there's always that temptation. And I imagine that it's even more so the case for people that this is their full-time job. Whereas for me, it's just part-time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And what, what do you think success means to you personally? Everybody has a different idea of success and I feel like you are definitely successful in different areas, a lot of different areas. So how do you define success? What does it mean to you? And how how did you reach that? No, I haven't. I haven't reached it yet. Um, I worry if I reach it too young in life, then what's the point of the rest of my life? Mm. Right. So if I'm I'm 38 now, if I reach whatever it is that I think success is by the age of 40, what about what happens in the last 30 years of my life? Like I'm just coasting. So I kind of like low key hope that I never reach this idea of success. success. And the idea of success that I have is what am I leaving behind? I think I'm at a point in my life, um, which again, I'm just going to keep it real with you. And this isn't just bragging, right? So I'm at a point in my life where from a financial standpoint and from a, you know, academic and, and status standpoint, I've reached the pinnacle. So it's not like I'm reaching for anything more. I mean, more certainly helps. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, what's better than a million dollars is $2 million. Mm-hmm. And, and three is better than that. But um, but now I'm steady, starting to get into the mindset, maybe because I'm older too. Uh, that, <laughs> Live it and leave learn. I know. Yeah, I'm, trying, I'm starting to get into the mindset of, Nafis, what are you leaving behind? Um, and that's how I, right now, I would measure success now that I've achieved all the other success. Because before... When I was your age, it was always about what can I get? Like I'm sacrificing, but I need to achieve this, achieve that, achieve that. Now at the age of 38, which, you know, after I've achieved uh, some semblance of success, now I'm thinking about what can I leave be- leave behind? I have a scholarship that I created in my name with Boise State University. Um, I have a couple of different scholarships for international students um, where my parents like sponsor different medical students who are in Bangladesh. Um, and it's a third world type of country. Mm-hmm. It's a famine and stuff like that. So, um, I think of like student mentorship. I, I think of doing stuff like this, you know, you certainly have younger listeners than I do. Oh. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone's going to listen to this and be like, Oh, maybe I can reverse engineer success too. I talk with my students about financial wealth. Um, if you start early enough, there's no excuse not to be wealthy. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight terms. That's all you need to know in order to 
you know, start going down the rabbit hole of like how to build your own wealth. So I think to myself, uh, success would be more along the lines of legacy. What is, when I'm gone, how am I going to be remembered? Um, and I don't know the answer to that question, hopefully positively. But, yeah, of course, uh, of course. You know, there's always going to be those haters though, but uh, hopefully, hopefully generally it'll be something positive. And, you know, like now I'm starting to think about like more international stuff, how to, how to create success and create some sort of a legacy. I mean, I tell my students and, and hopefully your listeners buy into this idea too, is that you should have at least one unrealistic, ridiculous goal. Mine is winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, has something, a lot to do with like socio-political affairs, like the Jewish people and the Muslim mm-hmm. people. Um, I have a Islamic last name, but I got my doctorate intentionally at a university that has a Jewish background. You should. Oh, university. that's really cool. Yeah, so, so my goal is to gain um, access to different areas of conflicting ideas to hopefully help each side understand the opposing Other. side, empowering the opposition, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, so this way they can understand that they have more in common than they have different. I just think that there's a lot of people. And I, I, you mentioned before the podcast, we're not going to go political here, but just the idea around there is plenty of people that are suffering and don't oh, need to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just leave it there as far as like what I consider to be success would be the legacy that I'll leave behind. And, and that part is like winning the Nobel Peace Prize would be amazing. Is that possible? Is that likely? Probably not. Like if you know anything about the Nobel Peace Prize, just me mentioning it would be pretty, pretty jockey mm-hmm. or pretty ridiculous. But I feel like that's my unrealistic dream to win the Nobel Peace Prize. It's probably not going to happen, but you got to believe in yourself before anyone believes in you. In you so yeah. I love that. The legacy you leave behind. Yeah. I thought, woo, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Going along the lines of acting and modeling, how do tattoos affect your roles? Oh, yeah. Tattoos uh, can impact the way that people see you. Um, of course, I mean, you can't control how people see you but when it comes to modeling and acting and actually in academia and other arenas as well uh it's starting to be more accepted um no one says anything when i come into class you know with like a full leg sleeve and a half Mm -hmm. leg sleeve and you know my my entire body's covered in tattoos um i imagine in the past they would but in it specifically in the entertainment industry it's actually valued Um, there've been, there's one, uh, role that I played where the, the character wasn't supposed to be bearing so much, Mm -hmm. uh, originally. Uh, and then I was changing in the changing room. I'm way too comfortable with my body, I think. So I just (laughs) changed in front of whoever. Um, and they saw, oh, like you got, you got, those are, those nice tattoos, and I was like, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like starting to get into my gear. And they're like, hey, like, would it be weird if we just asked you to wear like shorts and like a tank top for this instead like, of... <sighs> and it was a fighting movie. It was yeah. a fighting film. So it made perfect sense. Because um, originally it was supposed to be a jeans and like a like a, like a a polo type of shirt. Oh, okay. um, uh, but as soon as they saw the other tattoos, they were like, yeah, this is... Because it's intimidating, you know, mm-hmm. it's like not only with the beard and the hair and like the, the eyebrows apparently is a big deal too, uh, which I, yeah, um, but the tattoos too, you just look like you're so evil. And I'm like, yeah, if you only knew how many nightlights I have just because <laughs> I many, get scared. How many <laughs> nightlights <laughs> like, I have? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
That's crazy. I guess, yeah, I think tattoos do make or break a lot of roles, honestly, because I know in modeling, I was contacted by a modeling agency not too long ago. I decided not to go with it because I want to pursue the podcast and a lot of other creative things. Um, But they did ask, like, if I had any tattoos and they were going to host me as, like, a fitness model. Yeah. And a lot of the productions and the photos, they don't like people with tattoos. Yeah. And so the guy let me know, like, I know you have a tattoo, like that might affect your chances of getting roles and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? Like to me, that's not worth it because I feel like there are so many people into fitness and into that have tattoos. And like if the companies are going to hire someone like, yeah, but I feel like tattoos should be a lot more normalized, especially in just like everywhere. Well, I think everywhere, especially, you know, as a fitness model, if you know, that's how you're being cast, you want to show your fitness and show that tattoo, like uh, it's body appreciation. Yeah. It's not body mutilation. It's literally art. Like, yeah. yeah. So like, if I'm trying to get like my bicep to pop and I have a tattoo on it, that's just more and more art on top of art, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I a hundred percent agree with you in that regard. And that tattoos should actually be seen like if i were to see a fitness model without tattoos versus with tattoos i'd probably identify and like probably hit them with the follow if they had tattoos, tattoos. as opposed to no tattoos because just too much of a clean look and it almost looks fake mm, like exactly. you haven't lived life exactly you know and a tattoo like you know your tattoo i'm sure has a lot of meaning to you yeah. my tattoos do as well when i see a fitness model who has a tattoo or multiple tattoos the first thing i think of is that this person's lived some life so fitness isn't all that they're about there's mm-hmm. more to them than that for sure and with fitness modeling too, like sort of just to pivot on this too, I wanted to briefly talk about body positivity and fitness as well. Um, like it's important, uh, and you probably know this because you auditioned probably at the, mm-hmm. for, for, for fitness modeling. There's a method called the fail method, F-A-L-E, where you can make yourself look very different from what you actually look like. So F stands for flex, A stands for angle. Mm-hmm. L stands for lighting, and E is the most important part of all, editing. So the failed version of me, like the flexed, angled, lit, and edited version of me, looks very different from what I look like right now. Just in a regular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I, I, I hope like some of the some of the younger kids, like the junior high school kids that I coach with boxing, hopefully they'll listen to this podcast as well, and understand that. Uh, that you, you, you can't compare the real version of you to the fake version of someone else. Exactly. That's yeah. a huge thing with social media and entertainment. Everything is consumed. A lot of it's edited, touched up, and it's just unrealistic. Yeah. I think it's not, it's getting better. I think people are more aware of the editing and more aware of like choices when they're posting or making videos and like circumstances like that. But it really takes a toll on, I think, younger kids is mental health it does and and you know for for your older audiences i can tell you that even at the age of 38 i i don't think i've grown out of that and um i don't think that we do i still compare myself my body to other people and i asked like some of the other people too who are sort of closer to my age mm-hmm. i was like am i the only one like have i just not grown up how am I, mature I, am i am i just the only one feeling like yeah. this or you guys feel like yeah. no they they feel like that too and that like i'm talking about older guys too you know what i mean like just because we don't talk about it men tend men definitely tend, don't and i think yeah. they it should be something that should be more talked about because yeah. you know guys definitely do have different body perceptions it's like oh i need to lose body fat i need to make sure my muscles show i need to yeah. be lean and toned and 
that's yeah. like just a different take on modeling and yeah kind of that sort of situation yeah. and and not to take anything away from like you know the body positivity body image issues that women face either it's mm-hmm. not like an oppression olympics or anything no. like that i just said we're all in the same boat like you know i'm dealing with like i've been cast as a model and i still have you've been cast as a model and i'm sure you've got like stuff that you see in the mirror that you're like eh, this could be yeah. better that could be better so like i i really Hope your listeners, no matter what age they are, especially the younger ones and the older ones, understand that, like, you know, it's not something that you're necessarily going to grow out of. So learn to deal with it by understanding that these people aren't real. Like, what I look like on shoots is, like, I look at it and I'm like, whoa, that's me? Like, that doesn't like, look that anything does not, like that. Yeah, I have yeah. I have some pictures like that. I'm like, are you sure that's me? Like, yeah. let me let me take a closer look. Like, <laughs> yeah, I definitely I definitely see where you're coming from with that. What is one piece of advice do you think um, people wanting to go into the fitness modeling or just acting roles? I would say self-awareness is the most important kind of awareness. So um, like I know what I look like. It's very unlikely that I'll get some sort of a protagonist main hero role. Uh, And it's not because I'm not a nice person. I think I'm a pretty nice person. You probably wouldn't have asked me to come here if if I wasn't. Um, this but, guy's this guy is great guys yeah <laughs> appreciate that your checks in the mail by the <laughs> way but, just, but uh, um but like know what you look like and you know have the self-awareness of how you're perceived by other people um sometimes like a nice little honest assessment can be helpful too so some of my buddies in, in these industries told me like um like why am i getting cast as like like the bad guy, and the reason why I make that into a question is because there was one film where I was, I got cast, and, was, and it was like a romantic comedy type. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I'm the guy, like, I could totally, like, be the kind of person that she falls in love with. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, no, what? You're the guy she cheats on her boyfriend with. That's You're the like, kind of, that's yeah. what you look like. And I was like, can you just tell me why? Like, I mean, is it because I don't have the experience, which I don't? And maybe you have a better actor for it. It's like, no, even if you had the experience, you look like the kind that, um, well, just, yeah, you look like the, the bad per- boy. yeah, <laughs> yes, the person that they would cheat on their significant other with, not, you know, be a uh, boy, uh, girlfriend to or, or, or marry. And I asked why, like, you know, and because like I was kind of hurt by it. And I, I'm very honest with people if they mm-hmm. hurt my feelings and I'm not like, you know, trying to put them in this. Like that really like hurts. Yeah. You just tell me that she's explain because it's not like I'm trying to get back at you. I just need to understand why people are coming from. Yeah. yeah. So like this t- ended up turning into like a low key compliment because he was like, well, when you think of like um roles of the boyfriend or the husband in most of the movies that you've watched they're a little bit out of shape they're a little bit more approachable they're a little bit more accessible they're a little bit more identifiable to the general public Mm -hmm. so that person is probably not going to be in this kind of shape they're probably not going to look this this kind of way they're going to look a little bit more like oh i can i could see myself in that role with you talking to me it's like you know you're you're larger with the hair the beard and the eyebrows and like all the other stuff that goes into it and the muscles it just seems like you've put in too much work um that most people wouldn't and thus if you were cast in that role it would be somewhat unrealistic because 
especially in a romantic comedy type yeah. of movie, most males attending that movie or, you know, being an audience member in that movie couldn't see themselves in you. And most females attending, like being an audience in that movie, probably couldn't see them settling down with someone like you, but they could see themselves cheating that, on their significant other. That definitely makes sense. Yeah, yeah. When I think of like a rom-com, like lead male, I'm thinking like white skinny guy with like <laughs> comb over and what, like brown, like, yeah, very, very much like that. Tall, skinny, linky yeah. kind of. So I, I see what, where he com- he's coming from. Yeah, yeah. T- so, definitely makes sense. So my advice would just be like, you know, you have to have some thick skin, but also in developing that thick skin, don't hurt yourself in the process. Your mental health is more important than your physical of health course. or anything like yeah. that. So, you know, approach it in such a way that you have self-awareness, you understand what you look like and what your image is to the general public. If you're okay with that, then move forward with it, but don't pretend to be something that you're not. Like, I'm not going to go to an audition and be like, hey, I'm going to be the love interest in this romantic Mm -hmm. comedy, or um, I'm going to be the person that gets saved in this movie. That would be really like awkward. Like, how are you going to even carry the six foot one, two thirty? You know, so <laughs> that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so just self awareness is is my advice, and it's 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 easier said than done because you want to see something in yourself that might not be there, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Like, there's a lot of boxes that I don't check, but there are a lot of boxes that I do check, just like everyone else, you yeah. included. Don't worry so much about the boxes that you don't check. Worry about the boxes that you do check and just like capitalize, monetize that. You know, that that's how you can make money in this industry is by understanding the boxes that you do check and just really promoting those boxes. I think that's really good. You also had a few or have had a few of my friends come into your class and teach yeah. about their creative endeavors. Like, do you want to go into that? Yeah. So Carnesta Lynn and Sophia came and uh, presented on mental health in the entertainment industry and some of the things that they've experienced as well. Um, and it's, it's an up and down battle. And I think one of the most powerful things in in that presentation was that the understanding that life happens outside of what's, you know, on camera and, and what's happening, um, you know, on radio and stuff like that. So, you know, there was talk about how, like, you know, there was an accident, there was this, there was that. Um, and all the while you're still coming back to the entertainment industry as either a job or, a safe space where you're coming and you're sort of not thinking about that anymore. The entertainment industry can really support mental health in a way where you get to be artistic, whereas everywhere else you have to be sort of like structured. Mm -hmm. You have to know like a certain task or a certain to get anywhere. But I think that if you're in the entertainment industry, you have a lot of flexibility. Like maybe you're like more focused on like art and design, but like if you make content for social media, you might be into video editing and gain those skills, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is, um, I mean, there's just so much to do. And I don't even know all the jobs there are to oh, do. I uh, feel like there are more every single yeah. day. It's been, I swear, if like I go on Google and search up like entertainment industry jobs, there'd be something on there like I wouldn't even know. Yeah. Now, some of these titles, I don't even know what they are. And like I don't, I've never done anything behind the camera, but I, I would say more goes on on Sophia's side right now than <laughs> producing, than, yeah, than our side because you know we're, you know we're just having a conversation, yeah, right. But like you put in so much work today, and obviously over the course of the mm-hmm. last few weeks to make this moment happen, and this all happened behind or rather before the the cameras got turned on. Turned on, yeah. So so there's a lot to do, and just 
yeah, there's it's I have so much respect for this industry. I do want to mention this to uh, sort of just uh, uh, one of my bullet points in the head in my head that I had is that getting into this industry just recently, um, like not to throw shade on the industry, the the entertainment industry, but it, go for it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like it wasn't until recently that I actually had appreciation for for the arts because my entire life, acad- academically and my career has always been scientific. Mm-hmm. So being that as it was, I would always think of anything artistic as being less than scientific. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started actually get, this is such a blessing for me too, to be in this industry, um, even if it's to a lesser extent than most, it's because once I got into this industry, I thought about like, okay, so I'm, I'd look fairly attractive. I just smile or like give one of those like model face and be done with it. <laughs> Um, I can do this. I can do that in acting. I could throw somebody through a table, which that that movie will come out soon, and that that'll be it. But uh, but there's so much more to it than that because it's like, like one of the exercises was like, okay, so you have to go from mean mugging to sentimental, but mm. I need you to do in 15 seconds as opposed to one. I'm like, oh, like, oh that man. is hard because you know the camera wants to see, and the audience wants to see you coming to that realization. I shouldn't be hurting Brianna right now, even though that's been my urge. But now I'm seeing, I'm looking to her eyes and I'm like, okay, she's a nice person and she's friendly. She doesn't want to hurt me. Like it's such a process and it's, it's every day. It's like a mind. It uses a different like part of your brain. Oh yeah. And I appreciate the art so much now. Um, maybe even more so than sciences because science is so easy for me. And I think science is very easy for a lot of people because two plus two equals four, no matter what it is. And that's Mm -hmm. just what science and math are. But in art, there's no two and there's no two. Like, you know, you don't know why it makes sense, but when it comes together, it, it just does. makes sense. And there's so many different ways to get to that point too, which yeah. is awesome, but could be, you know, hard sometimes. Yeah. And then of course, you're going to have those haters who no matter what you do, they're going to think that your your art isn't good and they'll use metrics that no, don't make sense to you. You see in science, this is why science is, is I think, for like people who feel a lot safer in that kind of environment because if I do something wrong scientifically, you have to show me that my math is wrong. Otherwise, you're wrong. Yeah. In art, if you tell me that I've done something wrong, you don't have to, which means putting yourself out there a lot more and making yourself a lot more vulnerable than you would in the scientific scientific field. So getting into this field has been such a blessing in that when I watch movies or when I listen to podcasts, when I listen to, to music, I actually feel what I didn't feel in the age of 36, which was just two years ago. And now like, you know, being in the industry and like actually watching myself act and watching other people act, I'm like, wow, there's just so much that goes into it. And I can't, I can't thank folks like you, Sophia, Carnesalyn, John, you know, everyone in the industry enough for giving me the chance to come on board and really learn. If nothing else, if I don't do anything else in film or entertainment, at least I've, I've gained an appreciation for it. That'll carry the, the next four decades of my life oh yeah of course and what what do you think is the biggest challenge for people like more i guess numbers focused and wanting to get into the creative industry what do you think that that transition is and how do you think they could work on that um i think the challenge for those folks might be to understand that Constructive criticism isn't going to be quantifiable in this industry. So, you know, on Wall Street, constructive criticism would be, hey, like you needed to make X 
millions of dollars because that was the expectation and mm -hmm. you fell short and that's why you know you're not going to get the bonus but in the entertainment industry someone's going to tell you well you need to do this differently but not really give you a reason they just know from their artistic experience that there's a better way to do it or there's um you know a more qualified a highly refined way of doing it so my advice to them would be to just get out of your own head don't stop being so egotistical which is much easier said than done Sophia knows me a little bit better than you do. Mm -hmm. She knows just how egotistical I am. So like it's. it's I mean, it's if you like... if you have all the th have done all the things you've done, I mean, you got it right. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's the element of just you know um, throwing stones, living in a glass house type of situation, right? But like it, it is true. Like, and I had to keep myself in check too. Like, you know, what are you talking about? Like, I you know I have a doctorate degree. Who are you talking to right mm -hmm. now? You know, I didn't. I never said that out loud. But it, it's in your it, mind. Yeah, it goes in my through. mind. But then, like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, Nafis, what's your doctorate degree in? Is it in entertainment? No, bro. Like, relax. Calm down. Let the experts do the expert thing and just listen to what they because they want to be successful. They want you to be successful. Stop being so adversarial and bringing science into an artistic environment. Um, unless it's called for. Some mm -hmm. environments yeah. it is called for. But, like, you know, if if everyone's on the right page and they want to put forth the best product, trust people that have experience and that's something that i had to learn to do because i was way too much about my status and my my titles mm -hmm. and not so much about like you know taking guidance from someone who might have a high school diploma you know what i mean that makes sense so yeah. that's another way i've grown in the industry is that I, i've i've started let's say i've started, started to get out of my own head that um that like you know these titles matter yeah i think for a lot of people in the industry too, they're very much like, oh, I can do this. I'm really good at this. And I, I think it's good for them to take a step back, especially when it comes into business and money and different analytics and stuff. A lot of people in the entertainment industry aren't necessarily qualified to do a lot of that stuff. So that's why they hire on other people, right? Yeah. And when they try to like boss those people around, it takes a toll because they're being really egotistical about all the numbers and the back data. Yeah. So, and that also causes a clash. So I think it's good for people both ways just to be humble and open to learning different experiences in different fields, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just again, having that self-awareness too. Um, I think uh, self-awareness also comes from your own history. Uh, give you an example. I grew up in a, in a painfully normal environment Right. Uh, there was never I, I never had a Drake's started from the bottom. Now we're here moment because my entire life, everyone believed in me. Everyone thought that I can do a group. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Now, that sounds good. But that also means that I have to find motivation differently. To do it. So the way that I find motivation is actually through negativity. Right. Not through positive. Me too. Me too. Actually. Yeah. 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 So like I remember like football coaches who would tell me, oh, you're going to go to college. You, you have you might have potential uh, to play in the pros and stuff like I never really responded to that well because you're like yeah I could do that and yeah. it didn't it does it doesn't make you excited or like emotional response yeah. to like make you want to do it right? exactly yeah. my parents were too good to me is what happened so they believe in me and stuff like that so now even today it's like tell me what I'm doing wrong like I love this one coach who just tell me you're slow you're weak you've got I don't Scott I was I would win the student athlete award every mm -hmm. year um, and he would make jokes about like, uh, I see the student. I don't see the athlete on the field. Like, oh, oh, you're that like, hurts you're just so like, much. you just want to prove him wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and that negativity, I, I, 
thrive off of. And I and I look for negative, which is kind of weird to say, right? But I look for negativity now because that's what still motivates me. And it's hard to find negativity when, you know, again, brag, humble brag, not exactly <laughs> humble. humble. Brag. But like, who's going to tell someone who has a doctorate degree, who has achieved all the things that he has, I don't think you can do this. Yeah. But like when that happens, it's like, oh, yes, that is amazing. So so to touch on this point of motivation and, and self-motivation, first, you need to understand from a self-awareness standpoint, are you the type that needs negativity or positivity to be successful? Because I can tell you most of my teammates who come from, uh, I, I suppose, different uh, socioeconomic backgrounds and, and just backgrounds in general, they responded best to coaches that promoted them mm-hmm. and like, you know, made them like feel you're doing you know, good. You're like, yeah. that's, that was a good thing. Because yeah. that's what they needed, right? So if you ever come to my office, which you're always invited, um, you'll see that I have a, a tons of acceptance letters mm-hmm. from different schools across uh, different different universities and, and different paths and, and my academic career. Uh, all of them are in the trash. I have three letters up in my office, rejection letters from Duke University, from Columbia University, and from Rutgers University. And Duke was my first. I cried on it. In fact, the tears are still on there. You're welcome to come. Like oh, you should man. definitely. So the tears are on it. I got confirmation that that was yeah. true. <laughs> and and I threw and I threw it in the garbage, and something made me pull it out. And so it's kind of dirty. It's in it's, it's in a thing, so you don't have to smell it. You're like, uh-huh. yeah, you could you could look at it. You don't have to smell it. And um, and so I kept that. That was undergrad, and then Columbia and Rutgers were for graduate school that I got rejected. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, tons of other acceptance letters, which like sort of like you know just more positivity, right? I have these letters up and I told myself one day, they don't want me as a student. They're going to want me as a professor. I taught at Columbia and I taught at Rutgers. There we yeah. go. So, so, and I never taught at Duke because I didn't want to go to North Carolina. But one of the people there did reach out to me and say, hey, like if you wouldn't mind moving to North Carolina, there might be an opportunity for you here. So I wouldn't call that a win necessarily. But I imagine that, yeah. So It's pre- not a loss. Yeah, it's not, it's not a loss. But that's what I respond so well to. Now, this would not work for most people. Oh, no, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. So, so for me, I throw out their acceptance letters and I keep the rejection letters. Mm-hmm. But for others, they might want to throw out the rejection letters and keep the acceptance letters. Self-awareness is so important because if you do the wrong thing, you can mess yourself up real bad. For sure. No, I also have a lot of respect for people who are like calling me out on stuff I don't know. Like, I think I know a lot of stuff, but you know, I'm still young, still learning. And I just respect people who give me a lot more negative things, even if like they're literally saying it because they actually hate me and everything I do. I'll consider it like keep the receipts. There's there's always, (laughs) oh my gosh, there's always, (laughs) there's always room for improvement, I think. And I think a lot of the negativity you can turn into positivity and uh, turn it into a positive outlook. And I feel like a lot of people don't know how to do that just because they thrive off of positivity and that's what they were raised off of, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. So I just like, you know, checking in with yourself and making sure that you're you're living your best life and um, don't try to be the second best version of someone else, be the best version of you. I think that is great advice. Do you have anything else you'd like to add on? Anything to touch out? Uh, I think I covered all the bullet points that I had in my mind. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to thank you again for having me of on. Of course. I know you're going to be successful. Thank and you. I, and I love seeing the drive that, that you have and, and your friends here have um, because, you know, it really shows that 
you know, I'm, I'm what, two generations ahead of you. Uh, so it really gives us hope for the future to know that, that uh, I'm going to call you a kid. Hopefully you don't mind. But kids, Go ahead. I'm 19. Yeah. It, 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 it gives us confidence to know that kids your age are, are putting in the hours to do what's necessary to be successful. And, you know, you're, you'll hear a lot of old people like me talking about how, like, oh, this generation is, you know. But, like, there's there's so much hope here, and you represent that. Sophia represents that. Carnessa Lynn, all your friends, you, you represent that. So mm-hmm. keep up the good work, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think a big part of my motivation is, is like, I see older generations working their nine-to-fives. And I I think to myself, like, yeah, they they probably had dreams like mine when, I, when they were little. Maybe they wanted to, like, be a football player or go into acting, but they never got to do that because they never took that risk or considered the rewards necessarily. Um, and so I think a lot of my motivation is like, I don't want to be like them. Yeah. And I think that's a lot. I don't really have like an idol or like someone I look up to. And so my motivation comes from, I don't want to be like them. I'm glad you don't have an idol because if you try to be like someone, you can never be better than them. You know, so um, I, I would say the same thing for you, too. Like at 19, maybe reverse engineering that success and, and you know, making a list of the sacrifices that you're willing to make, which you being here at night right now tells me that you, you're ready to make those sacrifices. Put it on paper, you know, but I, I really appreciate especially you saying that you don't have an idol. Mm-hmm. That you don't have someone that you look up to fully. I'm sure there are like you know people that you can learn from. Yeah, that's, that's completely different. But yeah, if you try to be exactly like someone, you can never be better than them. So I'm glad that you're not doing that. Yeah. Do you want to shout yourself out? Give everybody your socials. Yeah. I, what is my Instagram again? So I'm. I'm <laughs> What's Dr. my Instagram? Naf- <laughs> yeah, I'm Dr. Nafisalam. Follow me on Instagram. Dr. Professor. Dr. Professor. PhD. Or you just type my name in. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, but definitely follow them here. They're doing a great job here. So, um, yeah, keep up the great work. Thank you. Make sure to check out his podcast as well. Um, I've listened to a few of your episodes, not gonna lie. And then they're actually pretty like entertaining and very knowledgeable. And I learned a bit from it, from the episodes I did listen to. So if you are looking for another podcast, make sure to check it out. It's also called, well, it's not also called, it's called empowering the opposition and yeah. So Thank you for coming on again. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and everything. I love everything that you talked about. Very awesome for people looking to switch up their mindset and go into the entertainment industry with a different idea of success and what that looks like. And maybe they change their idea of success themselves. Um, But yeah, yeah, thanks for listening, guys, or thanks for watching. And I will see you next episode. Bye.